Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. We embarked on this journey to, uh, into Philippians last Sunday. Um, it is four chapters, um, a very short book uh, in the New Testament. It is full of encouragement and prayers and guidance um, for the church of Philippi. So before you jump in, um, you can turn your Bibles to Philippians, or if you grabbed one of these journals, you don't have to have one. Again, we, we, we offer these so that if you want to take notes, sermon notes, and have those, and, and kind of keep putting all these together, that you'll have your own thoughts and the sermon notes that you can pull out when you're studying, things like that. So they're out in the lobby. Um, if you came in through the children's area, there's a stash, stack of those, I believe, in a couple places downstairs um, and both of our lobbies. So make sure you grab a hold of one of those as we um, keep on going in this journey. Now, um, there's a few people here at church that periodically will do something um, for me and they write me a note of encouragement. Um, there's, a, there's one person in specific I think of that writes me notes of encouragement and the, the words are just unbelievable. Um, they're personal. I know their faith. I know their background. It's handwritten. Um, I don't know if you even get a handwritten note from anybody anymore. Um, I try to write a lot of you on your birthdays. Uh, I know the joke is I write you, but you can't read what I write. I understand that, okay? Um, that's on my, my end. But, um, but when somebody writes you a note and says, let me just tell you a few things about a sermon or something going on in your life, you go, man, that felt good. Maybe it's an email. Maybe you get a, a really encouraging email or a text message from somebody that you go, that just made my day. Picture the church of Philippi, 10 years removed from their beginning, um, which you can read about in Acts chapter 16. Paul had been on a missionary journey. Miraculous things took place. Now he's writing back to them. Is going to send this letter back with a messenger, and that messenger is going to read this letter, and they were going to feel the same way. Wow, Paul, the missionary, our friend, the guy who was here with us, who prayed with us, who went to jail in the middle of all of his moments with us, and he is writing us. He's encouraging us. He's giving us instruction. And so it would have been received with a spirit of gratefulness um, and thankfulness. And so that's the book that we're walking in, written by Paul to the church of Philippi. Last week, we saw just a couple of things, and I want to not spend a ton of time on last week um, if you uh, were not with us. A couple things before I jump into that. If you have been used to watching online um, this Sunday and next uh, due to some circumstances this week and then uh, other things going on this week, we're not recording those, so it's just an audio that'll show up um, at some magical point of, of this morning. So if you have been watching or have somebody that you know is watching, that's the way that they can get that information coming out um, these next few weeks. But Philippians chapter one, where we were last week and will be again this week, verse three says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. Here's that heart of tenderness um, from a pastor to his people, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. So he's praying for them with joy because of your partnership. Why is he thankful for them? Because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul is reminding them, letting them know it's full of emotion, just an incredible pastor loving on his people saying, I remember you, I'm thankful for you, you're in my prayers. So he's writing with all this emotion back to them. Verse eight, he goes on to say, for God as my witness, 
I mean, that's a court-type statement. He is making sure they know how serious he is about this. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with affection of Christ Jesus. He has a deep love, a yearning, a longing for his group of people that he's writing to. It's a part of his every being. And, and I would pray that you know that my heart for us as we walk through Philippians is much the same, that, that I yearn for you to hear these things, to grow, for the, grow through these things that we examine together. Now, we gave you an acronym last week that's going to kind of keep showing up for the next few weeks together. And it's just this joy that a lot of Philippians is uh, focusing on Jesus. Then how do we love others? But also that God is still working on us, yourself. So Jesus, others, yourself. So just keep that in mind as you're reading through this, that that type of joy also produces joy. It produces a trust in the character of God, not in our circumstances, but in our relationship to him. And so joy, Jesus, others, yourself, we're gonna keep coming back to that. And just our reminder from last week, again, we all need this week after week after week. He said in verse six, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He is saying to us, I am saying to you, God's word is saying to each of us, God is not finished with you yet. And that's a promise, that's a hope. It's not a threat, it's a promise to say, God's not finished. He's still working, he's still moving and God is still changing us. So today we're gonna take a look at how does Paul pray for people that he loves? Now, if you've ever had somebody come to you and just say, hey, pray for me and they walk off and you go, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be praying for. Or maybe you have uh, grown children or maybe your parents are, uh, don't live near you and you're praying and you're trying to figure out how to pray for them and, and how do you pray for a group of people. I want us to see today that Paul is going to give us uh, in these three verses, we're gonna say these three verses so much today that my hope is that, maybe not word for word, but my hope is that when you get in your car today, you're gonna know verses nine through 11. We're gonna be in three verses. We're gonna unpack this prayer. He already says, I'm praying for you with joy. Now, what is his prayer for his people? What is my prayer for you? What is your prayer for other believers? Let's take a look at what Paul says and how he is to pray and gonna pray for them. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Now, I tried doing something this week. I tried uh, narrowing it down to definitions of love uh, that I could give you. Uh, I Googled it. I read articles about it. I, I, I even thought, man, I'll give them the top 50 love songs, right? And we'll give a few of those because Valentine's in our rear view mirror. And I decided, no, that's not really the direction because here's the reality. You can look up the word love to find love and you can find thousands of definitions, thousands of definitions, but he is saying here, this love, it is a love, an agape love. He wants it to abound more and more. Now, here's what's interesting here. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, and it is my prayer that you love the church of Philippi more. He doesn't say, and it's my prayer that you love the Lord more. He doesn't say that your love for each other abounds more and more. Your love for your spouse abounds more and more. No, he says that your love may abound. This is the ability to, the desire to love others. Love according to John, not the gospel of John, but John Lennon. 
If you laughed, you just gave away your age, probably, okay? He said, all you need is love, right? Bump, 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 bump. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love is all you need. Is that, in fact, true? Is that a complete picture for us to pursue? Is it an agape love that he's speaking of? This is a love that is based on a relationship to God that blooms in our relationship towards others. Paul is saying, do you have a growing desire to love? Jesus, when asked the greatest commandment, he said, you shall love the Lord your God. We saw this a few weeks ago in Luke chapter 10. We were zooming in. You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So we can't distance our love for others from our love for God. It's directly attached to it. And then in Deuteronomy, so this is all throughout scripture is this picture of love. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding for you today. Paul is praying He wants you to have, he wants this young church, he wants them to have and keep the ability. How do you make self, how do you self-sacrifice in your love for each other? How do you care for each other? What are the parameters, what are the lanes that are gonna keep this love in check? It's not just a random love, but it is a defined love. And so he's gonna walk us through that. He's gonna give us this. This is so important. He does not say, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, period. No, it's comma, All right, the punctuation there is so that we can understand that this is a continued thought. He says, so that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Make sure you hear that. Make sure when you think about love and you hear this word love tossed around in our society, in our world that says, you know, believe how you want to, go where you want to, do what you want to, that love here. He's not restricting it, but he is fine-tuning it. He's putting it in lanes to say, so love may abound more and more with knowledge, with discernment. So love plus knowledge plus discernment. Now, knowledge here is not simply a general head knowledge of going, I I know how to do, maybe you work in engineering, uh, maybe you work uh, in in a factory and you know how things work, maybe you work, uh, you you help with loans in a bank and you go, I've got that knowledge. This is not the same type of knowledge. This is a knowledge about relationships and how to have an understanding about people's lives and perceive the needs and how we can best meet those needs. How can you best meet those needs? Knowledge is the ability to ask of our lives and others, what is right in this situation? So my love is abounding more and more, and I want to know what is right in this situation, right according to the standards that God has placed in our lives. He's not praying for them, hey, become more academic, He's praying that they would have a complete love for each other. But then he uses the word discernment. It's the only time that Paul uses this word in the New Testament, um, this particular word for discernment. And it is an easy place if we wanted to, we could just stop right here and talk about discernment for the rest of the morning. But discernment in this instance from Paul is about discretion, depth of insight, and full of understanding. Love plus knowledge 
plus the sermon. Not lacking in any of those. So let me put this in the way that maybe if you grew up like me in a Baptist church, maybe I can help you understand how does this work with, with all that we do in our faith. So some of you may say, hey, I, I, I'm memorizing scripture, knowledge. I'm teaching Sunday school, knowledge. I'm, I'm even, I even have a degree in, in theology, knowledge, and maybe some discernment there altogether. But you're full of bitterness and resentment. Then you've got knowledge and discernment without love. Or maybe, let me just really get personal with us that, you know, like before COVID, there was like 16,000 Bible studies you could go to all the time. You could pick a church. You could go to any of them all the time. Maybe you've done 16 Bible studies. You've completed every Beth Moore study, uh, every Priscilla Schreier study. Uh, he's reading truth. She's reading truth. You're part of five reading plans with five different people. You've studied David Jeremiah, Louis Giglio, David Platt, Henry Blackaby. You're doing a one-year reading plan in Hebrew and in Greek, right? Just to make sure you've got it covered. You've got the biggest study Bible with the nicest cover in your small group. You've got the Bible app. You've got the Concordance app. You listen to 14 podcasts a week from the 10 greatest pastors in the United States. And if you happen to miss church, you watch our uh, online teaching and you watch three other people who are online at home, yet your life is steeped in pornography. You have knowledge with no discernment. Here he's calling for, if, you, if you're coaching a team and not one person on the team and you're doing all these studies and you're super involved and you're leading all these groups, but you're coaching a team outside of here or you're teaching classroom and not one person could identify you as a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have not love impacted by your knowledge and your discernment. You see, this gets really a lot harder than what the world would like to just toss out there, right? Kind of a love bomb. Just, they'll just love everybody. And you could stop right there after that, after that more and more and go, well, that's what Paul's saying. No, Paul is saying, love more and more with knowledge and all discernment. I love that he's not leaving this alone. He's given parameters to. One author said this, he said, we cannot we cannot pray things like this. God, improve my prayer life, but not my morality. Increase my knowledge of you, but not my obedience to you. Help me grow in my love for others, but I will not be growing in purity. Those don't match. So as Paul is pouring into the people, he's saying, listen, guys, I want you to grow in love. Oh, great. We know how to do that. With knowledge and all discernment. Out of the depth of, of his pastoral heart for people, out of my depth for you, out of my pastoral heart for you as a church. Listen, I'm not praying for you just to sign up for another small group. I'm not praying for you to just to go on another mission trip so you can check it off your box. Now, it's been a little bit harder. Speaking of mission trips, um, seriously, be in prayer. We have a team that hopefully right about now um, are leaving Dallas, Texas. Um, they left yesterday morning about 6 a.m. from uh, Raleigh to go to Honduras. Dallas is not supposed to be on the route. Um, and so they got sidetracked and sent over to Dallas for the night. They're flying out of there today, hopefully with, with all their luggage and their VBS and all their supplies for their clinic and all the things that they're doing, um, which is uh, a, a lot. And so they're trying to get there. But my, my heart for you as a pastor is not so you can just simply say, well, 
Well, pastor, I did six Bible studies this year and I went on two mission trips and, and I gave more. Um, I was more generous this year and I read eight theological books and I'm gonna even do more in the future. But I'm praying and pleading with you as Paul. May your love abound more and more with knowledge, with discernment. So if you could imagine it to be this way, that love is the river and knowledge and discernment are the banks. Let's keep this in check. The world would say, man, that river just runs everywhere. But Paul says, no, I want you to love and I want you to love more and more, deeper and deeper every day. I want to pray for you. I'm pursuing you. I'm praying for you with joy. I'm praying because you've got a place in my heart and I'm praying for knowledge and insight. If knowledge asks what is right, discernment asks what is best. Not just what gets me through, but what's the best? I read these questions this week and they were not written by me, but they're, they're simple questions. How do we begin to make, and when we're trying to love someone, when we're trying to figure out how to love in a moment, how do we make decisions that are knowledgeable and discerning? Here's a few really simple questions. Is it helpful? 1 Corinthians 6.12 is what I'm about to do. Is it helpful? Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Is it helpful? It, does it bring me under its power? The thing or the decision or the relationship that I'm about to step into, does it bring me under its power? 1 Corinthians 6.12 as well. Am I being mastered by something else? That's not discerning. That's not wise. That's not insightful. Does it hurt others? 1 Corinthians 8.13. Therefore, if I eat what causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. Does it hurt others? Am I being knowledgeable? Am I being discerning in my love for others? Does it, as we see at the end of verse 11, does it glorify God? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, the prayer keeps going, but I'm gonna start at the beginning because I want you to get it, right? And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. Here we go. So that, here's the application, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Now, let's just pause right here for a moment. Probably the most applicable illustration I can give for you this morning is how many of you in the room are parents or grandparents? Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Wow, wow, okay, all right, 98% of you, okay? Tell me this is not a prayer you would wanna pray for your kids. I don't, I don't know how to pray for my kid. They're away at college, and I don't, I don't know how to pray for my kid because they're not even talking to me right now, right? They're texting me maybe every once in a while from their bedroom. I'm not sure what's going on in their lives. I'm not sure it's really difficult. They're going through some changes and through some difficulties, or they're adult children, and you're trying to figure out how do I guide them in some of these decisions, Listen, I've, you guys know we have four kids, Bailey, William, Jonathan, and Sonia, and we are going through a, a transition, you know, for our sons getting married this summer, and um, that's so weird, um, just to be honest with you, it's so crazy. And uh, so I, I could do this for all four of my kids, but this isn't personal private prayer time, but let me just 
me just use William. He's not here, so we, he, will, he won't know, okay? God, would you be William? Be with William. As he grows to become a husband. Help him abound in love more and more for his spouse. Help him to be wise and discerning so that he can make excellent decisions for his home and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. That's my son. See, this is a revival type prayer. I want you to know this. This is not a next week we're gonna move on to something else and just put this behind you in your rear view mirror. This is something that if you would begin, if we would begin to, to pray this for each other, for other people, maybe in your, your small group and you're going, I don't even know how to pray for them. I can't even believe what they're going through in their lives. God, would you help them to abound in love? More and more. And God, you know what their decision is. You know how difficult it is. Give them knowledge. Give them discernment. Why? Because God, I want them to make good decisions. Right? Parents, is that a, a, never a bad prayer? I want them to make the excellent decisions. Not just what's right, what's best. And God, so that they can be pure and blameless. And that from their lives, fruit of righteousness is produced. Love plus knowledge plus discernment equips us for what's best in our lives. Again, knowledge and discernment are the banks of the river in which the love of God flow. Now he goes on to say, so that you may approve what is excellent, so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Some of us will, uh, maybe you're a perfectionistic type person in the room or you got a little bit of those tendencies. You'll take the word blameless and you'll take it and turn it into something that it's not. You'll take it and you'll make it perfection. Newsflash, let you off the hook. There's only been one person that's walked this planet and will ever walk this planet that was perfect is Jesus. It's not you. You will never be perfect. David was not perfect in the Old Testament, but he was called blameless, right? He had a pure heart, but David had a very, very, very difficult life. Made some very sinful decisions in his life, but after his repentance and his relationship to the Lord, he was found to be pure and blameless. This is not a picture of you becoming perfect. Now, here's the problem with that. Um, I, I like, my kids can laugh at this. You can tell people it's true, okay? I like my towels folded a certain way in our closet, okay? Just, just how I like them, all right? Uh, I like the stripes one way, this way in the yard, the next, right? You got you to kind of get it right. You got to do this this way. And if we replace and pursue perfection, then when we fail spiritually, we check out. It's legalism. We go, man, I, I can't be perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm going to mess up. I, I, oh, I, I didn't do that right today. I didn't make that decision. I wasn't perfect. No, it says pure and blameless. And part of being blameless is being a person of repentance and coming to the Lord and seeking forgiveness and say, God, I didn't get it right yesterday. Would you renew a right spirit in with me? And he will do so. He will be faithful to pursue. He'll be faithful to cleanse. 
It's so easy, though, if we're not cautious to make perfection in the pursuit of perfection the ultimate spiritual goal. And Paul is saying here, this pursuit to be pure and blameless is rooted in your relationship to Jesus Christ. Don't forget pursuing Jesus while you're pursuing perfection. We must be careful not to place the striving to be pure and blameless above the need to have a daily walk with Christ. You see, it's out of that relationship. It's through that relationship that we begin to make decisions that are excellent, that we begin to do things that are pure and blameless, not apart from. My prayer is not for us to idolize being perfect, but to grasp that as you grow... Rich Fork, as you grow in love with Jesus, that you begin to realize that you have love for others and that the decisions you help guide them to are built with knowledge and discernment. And a beautiful benefit is that it lines up our heart and our mind and our souls with that of the Lord and of his words and then his word. And then we are able to make decisions that are excellent. You see, he doesn't just pray this. God, help him love others. See you later. Philippi, go figure it out. No, he says, guys, I want you to know, I'm praying. It is my prayer for you that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and with all discernment so that you can determine what's excellent, so you can determine what's pure and blameless and the fruit of righteousness will just fall off of you as people pursue Jesus. But we cannot do this. As we've said over and over, we cannot do this without a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the vine that we connect with. It's the, the root of who we are. I read this story in a commentary this week, and I, I kind of felt I needed to verify it because it, it's a little crazy, um, and, it's, and it's true. So I, I, as best as you can tell, something's true that happened in the 1900s, right? Thank you, the Internet. Um, and so the author tells the story in uh, Exalting Jesus in, the, in, in, in Philippians that Lawrence of Arabia, he was a, a, a famous British archaeologist in the 1900s, and he, uh, he took explorations that took him deep into the deserts of Egypt and northern Africa. And on one of those trips, he made the decision that he was going to take some of the Bedouins, the nomadic desert dwellers, with him back to London um, and, and you know, kind of walk with them and, and kind of experience that with them. He took them back to a hotel in London, and um, they were amazed that you could turn on a faucet and water would come out. They live in the desert, right? You don't have that. They would go sometimes days or maybe longer without running into fresh water. And so they were just amazed at this hotel that every time they turned on, water came out. So when they were leaving the hotel, they discovered in one of their suitcases that one of them had taken the faucet. Because they thought, this cool contraption, if I take it off this wall and I shove it into a hillside of sand, maybe I'll be able to turn it and water will come out. Paul's prayer here, my prayer for you, is that you will understand that this love that we want to pour out of us, that society wants us to pour out, it's connected to discernment and knowledge. It's connected to making the decision that is best. It's connected to having a relationship to Jesus Christ. And out of and through that relationship to Jesus Christ comes pouring out from us living water. But we want the love without, we just want to be, if I could just take the faucet of love and just go plug it in anywhere, it'd be great. 
But Paul says, no, it's discernment and knowledge that brings wisdom. Love without knowledge is compromise. Knowledge without love is critical. Love without discernment is careless. Love with knowledge is compassion. You see, it's woven together. Love without knowledge is compromise. Knowledge without love is critical. We've experienced that in our lives. Love without discernment is just careless. And love with knowledge is it's compassion. It's putting all these things together. So Paul is looking back to a church of Philippians and he's saying, guys, I want to encourage you and I want to pray, let you know how I'm praying for you. And here we are 2,000 years later, able to grow from and through Paul's words to this church of Philippi that I, I want to read it for you one more time. Okay, probably not the last time, but I want to read these verses to you again. I want to highlight it. If you didn't grab on these journals on the way out, grab it, highlight it, circle it, go home, print it, whatever you need to do, and just listen to this prayer one last time. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. See, there it is. You gotta be connected to, why? To the glory and praise of God. So let me try to make this practical for us. You are a coworker. Um, you have a, a believer at your work, and you are unsure how to pray for them. They are giving you a few details in those ambiguous moments where they say, "Hey, pray." It's kind of an unspoken, and I don't know what to pray specifically, but I know how to pray. I'm going to pray that your love may abound more and more, that you're knowledgeable and you're discerning, and so that. You can, so that you can determine what is excellent and be pure and blameless and the fruit of righteousness. I, I, don't, I don't know specifically how I'm going to be praying for you, but that's, you're driving to work tomorrow uh, and you, your spouse has told you before they walked out the door that it's going to be a stressful day. Great opportunity for you on their way to work and say, you, God, you know my spouse, you know their heart, you know they love you, but God, help them to love you more and more today at work in this difficult environment filled with non-believers, filled with people that aren't pursuing you and help them to make decisions that are right and best so that they, why? So they, they can experience what's excellent, what's best and be found pure and blameless and lead others to the fruit of righteousness. God, be with my spouse tomorrow. Maybe it's a, a maybe teachers and coaches, you're in the room uh, and, and others that are in the room that have people under you and maybe the rules are that you can't, if you're in public school, unless the child brings it to you, you can't 
launch into your faith necessarily, but here's a great prayer when a kid comes your way and you know that they're broken and you know that their home is terrible and you know things aren't going well, God, would you, would you allow me to be full of love more and more towards this child so that why? So that I can help them discern what is good and what is right and what is excellent, what is pure, what is blameless. And God, would it be an incredible gift for the fruit of righteousness to be shown in their lives? You may work on a factory floor and day after day, everything is the same. And just the monotony of it all just makes you want to lose your mind and begin to say, God, would you help me? Today when we go to lunch break, you know that guy? Somebody laugh because they know that guy? You know, you know they're going to launch into a pro or for against this or that. Whatever it is, they're going to launch into it. You know that it's going to be, everybody around the lunch table is going to be uncomfortable. Everybody's going to want to get up and leave. And we're going to, God, would you help me when I walk in there today to be full of love more and more? Help me to say things that are full of discernment and knowledge. God, help me to pursue excellence. Help what I say to be considered pure and blameless. And God, that they would see the fruit of righteousness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good and gentleness, self-control falling off of me. And then you pray it again the next day. And you pray it again the next day. This is a prayer that Paul is not simply saying, guys, I'm praying for you. Have a good day. I pray for you. Hope it all goes well in Philippi. See you later. No, he says, God, I, guys, I have a distinct prayer for you that your love would abound, your knowledge would increase, your discernment would lead you, you approve what's excellent, that you'd be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus. Why? For the glory and praise of God. Now, we've walked through this quite a bit. It's only three verses. So I want to challenge you during our invitation I want to challenge you to sincerely think, who is someone that I need to be aiming this prayer at today? You can grab your Bible and, and literally pray through this. The way that I pray through these, they're not in my notes, okay? These are just, as we go through each service, just praying through who's in the room, what's going on, what's taking place. God, help me to lead our people as a pastor for his people. Help me to lead them through this prayer so that we leave this place when we're not sure what to pray, when we're not sure what words to say, God, help them to love you more and more, pure and blameless, approve what's excellent. God, so that they, with knowledge and discernment, can make decisions that lead to you. Who are we praying for? Praying bold prayers today. Let's pray together.